Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season four of Cultured or Nah. As you know, we're fans of busyness, and we love mixing historical facts with some uncultured opinions. Um, today's episode will mostly be opinions and no facts, um, mostly because the, the topic that we're discussing is much more something that's personal, closer to home, um, and every individual and community will have their own take on it. Um, so before I get too far in, let me do some quick intros. My name is Shabnam Galati, and hopefully you know by now I'm the host of this podcast because we've been doing it for four seasons, but I'm really excited to have with me my friend, Avni, who is someone I've known since I was five years old. Abni is a writer. We basically grew up together. We were in the same dance school and we've spent lots of time talking to each other about our aspirations in life when we grow up, the way we see our lives panning out. And it's interesting to see how those aspirations and what we saw for ourselves has changed from our childhood to now. So it's really exciting for me to have Avni on and basically just hit record on a conversation that we'd probably be having anyway. So I'm excited to welcome you onto the podcast, Avni. Thanks for having me, Shabnam. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. And so before we get too far in, I did want to clarify for everyone that the topic we're going to be discussing today is about not wanting children. Um, And this is specifically going to be explored from the lens of being a South Asian woman and a South Asian diaspora woman, as both Avni and I are. Um, But I also wanted to clarify that at no point is the intention of this episode to offend anyone that does want children or to um, point fingers at anyone, to question anyone's choices of having children. We are supporters on both sides. We just think that this is a personal choice. Um, And so we kind of just thought that there's probably not as much literature out there about not wanting children. Um, Hence, we we figured we might want to hit record on this episode, but this is to question no one's decisions on whether they want them or not. Anything else to add of me? No, I think you covered it. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, so that was the the disclaimer. Um, and we are very supportive and appreciative of moms. And again, is in, in no way are we questioning that that choice um, or looking down upon it. Um, we're very supportive of moms. Avni and I both have moms. Um, and so uh, we, <laughs> we definitely think that that's an important role to play as well. Um, so yeah, so I think like getting into it a little bit, Avni, um, do you remember when we first talked about potentially not wanting kids? I have to admit that I don't remember that first conversation that we had, but I know that you have a more powerful memory than I do. And I know that you remember that conversation. Yes, I do remember that conversation. Um, and I wanted to reference it in, in this episode because I think it's something that as women, we probably think about a lot from like a young age, just because of societal conditioning, what we see on TV, what we see the, the roles our mothers play in our own lives. And so I think motherhood and womanhood are often very closely coupled, right? And I think that they're not usually seen as like two different things, at least not until recently, I will say. I think in the past when we were growing up, a lot more of the the pop culture and literature was almost like 
there's like a a singular narrative. It's like boy meets girl, like they fall in love, they get married, they have kids. Like that's kind of like what I think we always saw was was in the media. And even like the happily ever afters at the end of fairy tales, like I think we're just assuming that at the end of them, they're like having children and and their children are having children and and that's just how it goes, you know? And so um, I do remember the first time that this is what I what I think was the first time in high school Avni and I had gone on a trip with um a bunch of our dance school mates to um the beach and and we were staying in a beach house and I think it was one of those types of environments where like you can really lounge around and have long conversations at length about like the future and what things will be like at some point and I remember people were talking about kids and and it was an all-girls trip and so a bunch of people were saying things like I think I see myself with like one or two children I think Avni had said like two sometimes three because that's kind of the family that you came from um Avni and I'll let you speak to your your own like what you thought back then but for me I think I was sort of immediately like why does everyone else want children and I don't and and so I do remember feeling that way in that moment and then like stark contrast was our other friend who immediately said she wants five children and I remember saying I don't want any you know and I was like this is such a contrast between us like we're at two sides of the spectrum and I do remember Omni in that moment being like whoa five to the other girl and then being like zero to me and like sort of was just like that was like a, a moment where I like said it and I think everyone thought that I would grow out of it like I think everyone still tells me that actually everyone thinks that I will grow out of it and I might uh, and I don't mean like grow in like the personal sense of like, you have to want children one day. But I, I think my stance has always been like, potentially might, if I meet the right man, and like, it feels like the right thing to do. But it's not something I'm aspiring to. Yeah, I, I'm stuck on this phrase, growing out of it. Um, and I, I also get told that now. The phrase growing out of it, to me, the reason that it it bugs me in a way is because it kind of implies that what your decision is or whatever you're saying is something that's inherently immature or something Mm -hmm. that you don't have enough life experience to make a decision on yet. Right. And sure. Maybe when we were 13 or 14, that's a fair thing to say potentially, but I think the older that I get, the more that I hear that it just, it reinforces this idea that having children is not a choice, but the mature thing to do. And I struggle with that, right? Because like you said, you might change your mind and I might change my mind and that's growing in a different direction, but growing out of something, I think is a really interesting phrase that we get a lot when we express our choices to other people. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, um, it always did bother me when people would say that I would grow out of it just because I think I've been waiting for that grow out phase for a very long time to happen. And I think, um, so I think like, let's rewind to like, even like the conditioning that we're, that we're given as kids. Like, do you remember when we would play? Um, I mean, maybe not you and I played it, but people in general would play house when we were growing up. I never played house, but I played that game mash. Did you ever play that? No. What's mash? It's, it stood, I forget what the acronym stood for. It was like married something, significant other and house. And somewhere in there basically was the number of kids that you would have. So like, 
it wasn't even, it wasn't even a question. It was just like, you're going to marry this person. You're going to live in this house. Um, this is the name of your significant other. This is how many kids you're going to have. And it was just so ingrained that that was the path of life that we were going to take as we moved forward that I think, you know, it's cool that you were asking the question or so early at age 14 or 15, however we, however old we were when we had that conversation. But I think it took me longer to understand that it was actually a choice, right? Because it's what our mothers did. It's what our mother's mothers did. It's what Disney movies have taught us. I mean, it's, it's literally everywhere. And when something is so infused into every part of not just your personal life, but in society and everything that you see in the media, it's hard to parse that out and understand that this is not just the way things go, quote unquote, this is actually a huge decision and you're allowed to opt out. Yeah, exactly. And so house was similar in that, like people would get assigned a role and it would be like, you play mom, you play daughter, you play husband, you know? And I feel like even from an early age, I never wanted to play the mom role. And like, I think that's like very telling. And this is not to say that there's anything wrong with my relationship with my mother. Like I actually have a really, really good relationship with my mom. We are super close. We talk about everything. Um, in many ways, she was my hero growing up. I think in a lot of ways, um, when people are younger, when we're younger, our parents are everything, right? And I was way closer to my mom growing up than I was to my dad. Now I'm equally close to both of them. But before I was way closer to my mom and she was my hero. I wanted to dress like her. I wanted to be like her. I I thought like my mother was so beautiful. I mean, she still is, but like, you know, I just wanted to be like her growing up. And the one thing that I never really saw though, was having a child. Like, I don't know why. Um, And I think you and I have really similar, um, like, backgrounds with uh what our moms do both of our moms are housewives so like for for everyone else um out there yeah both of me and I um have housewives for moms and I think like there was always an appreciation of how much they did for us and like there was definitely that closeness with um at least with my mom but like I I think I just never felt like I wanted to be a mom and I think part of it might be because she also raised me to be very um independent and she she wanted me to be a strong woman and she wanted me to be a go-getter but like i think the types of aspirations i had even when i was a teenager like at that beach house i think it was very like i want to live in a bunch of places one day and i want to like be a career woman and not to say that these things are mutually exclusive from being a mother at all i think this is just the way society portrayed these decisions back then which was like you either like lean into being a career woman or you are a housewife. And that's kind of like maybe what we saw growing up. Now we know that there's many more options out there. Um, but I think it was it was maybe the polarity of these options that made it seem like there were only two back then. Um, and this is like, obviously when I was a teenager. So so that was different. Um, and I chose the, the more career woman, travel, lives in a bunch of places type life that I saw for myself growing up, which is what ended up happening in my twenties. So like, thankfully that, that did happen. So now it takes me to like revisiting, like now that we are no longer 15 and now that there's no longer only two options, like you're a housewife or you're a career woman, like, I guess, like how has, has your thought process changed um, since we were teenagers? And like, when was it that you first realized that you might not want kids? Yeah. 
This is interesting because um, this transition was one that I grappled with and felt really guilty about for a long time. Um, and the reason is because when I had decided, you know, maybe kids is not the route for me was actually when my first niece was born. And oh, wow. I cannot express how much I love both of my nieces, how much I love and admire my sister. But to be so close to a mother raising her children from day zero was a very unique experience that I don't think a lot of people have prior to making the decision to have kids, right? I think it, because she was able to get a larger amount of maternity leave, she got a full year because she was working in the UK at the time, she would spend months with us. And so I was up in the middle of the night, <laughs> the feeding hours, I was there for all of the screaming, all of the yelling, all of the diapers, all of the things. And I saw the toll that it took on her as well. And in a way that scarred me, and we joke about it now, how her kids have scarred me for life, but I'm really grateful for that experience because I think it really showed me the ins and outs of what it takes to have a child. And I didn't have access to that qualitative data, if you will, before, right? So I just thought maybe I'll pop out a kid or two. It's going to be fine. I'll have help. Um, and it, it was a, it was a unique experience of kind of living out a what if of your life, right? Like what if I were to have kids, what could that look like? And that's when I finally started questioning whether I wanted to do it, right? There are things that we can do and it doesn't always mean that we should do them, right? It, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you have to. And that's when I started asking the question. So that was around the beginning of college. And I think the more and more time that I spend with mothers and their kids and observing their marriages and all of the things that come bundled with that bundle of joy, the more clear it becomes to me that for now, I don't think kids is a path that I want to tread. I think the other thing that I've been thinking about really recently is why we don't have more examples model modeled for us for people living super fulfilling, super happy lives without kids, right? I think we're told this narrative and we're sold it pretty hard that kids are your life's purpose. And if you don't have kids, you'll never be fulfilled and you're missing out on this amazing experience which could be true. And it could also be true that you're missing out on a lot of other life experiences that are amazing if you choose not to have children. So um, that's kind of where the transition, why the transition happened um, and where I'm sitting with right now. Yeah, it makes sense. I did want to like double click into something you said and ask you about it further. So one of the initial things you said was you initially had a lot of guilt about not having a child. So let's double click on the guilt. Why guilt specifically? Yeah, I, I felt guilty asking these questions as a result of, of a family member, essentially, right? It, it sounds like boiled down to its most black and white form. I had a niece and then immediately decided I didn't want a kid. Like that sounds like I'm an asshole or that sounds like I don't like my niece, which is not the case at all. But there is inherently, you know, this guilt trapped tied into that because I was like, how could I 
have so much love for this niece and simultaneously she makes me want to not have children. And I felt like I would be robbing her of the chance of the first cousin, you know, and that's something that I still think about today. Um, and I also feel guilt about, you know, my parents perhaps wanting grandchildren. Um, and they have two already, luckily, but if they wanted me to have kids and if they wanted to have that experience with me, I think there is always going to be first generation guilt for a number of reasons. But I think when it comes to kids, it, it becomes a little trickier because there are these people that you haven't even met yet, but the picture in your head and the picture that your family has in their head is so strong. And it's often passed down to you that it can infiltrate into all of the decisions and all of the thoughts that you're making. Yeah, I think that picture and wrestling with the picture has been a really difficult aspect of just like growing up South Asian in like a Western country anyway, because like those things are often at odds with each other. Everything from like where you'll go to college to like who you'll end up marrying and like what that future is going to look like, you know? Um, and so I think like that part's that that part's always really hard. And I think what you're right about before we move into this whole space of like, what does it mean to not want kids as a South Asian person, which is like a heavy, like almost like guilt ridden conversation in itself. Um, I, I did also want to mention that, like you said about like, not a lot of people have that experience of being close to someone that is going through motherhood um, and like experiencing the pains, the the joys, et cetera, all for the first time. Um, I think the the other thing that really bothers me actually and has started bothering me as an adult is that there's not a lot of conversation out there around um, what it's actually like, right? So I think like no one really ever talks about it. Everyone just makes it seem like motherhood is this beautiful thing. And like, I think I think this is the thing. So like going back to like when like I, I realized this and why I never like, so to speak, grew out of this was because the more information I learned, like as I grew in terms of like how painful it is to actually like, you know, like pop out a child and like actually go through delivery or like the more I started to study, like even like moms at the park and their children, the more I was kind of just like, I just don't see this life for myself. Like, I don't know why it had never really appealed to me. It had never really been like, this is something that I'm dying to do. And then at some point, like it made me feel defective actually. Like I wouldn't say I ever had guilt, but I, I did feel a bit defective where I was like, why don't I have this maternal instinct that like, I think everyone seems to be born with like every woman. And I think the more I grow, the more I learn that it's not that I don't have that instinct. Like, I think that in a lot of ways, if I, if I'm around a child, like I'm very careful about them. I don't want them to get hurt. I'm like watching out for like them, not like hitting table corners and like things like that. And I like want to look out for them when I'm near them. But in terms of like, do I want to raise them? I'm often like, I don't, I don't think it appeals to me to like, have to like wire my whole day around this little child and like, make sure they've like such a great upbringing and, and, you know, like just make sure they have all these opportunities. I think that my brain space could be spent doing other things. And, and I think like, that's, that's just like maybe one of the things that always gets me. And I also sometimes think like, maybe it's because my mother was so attentive and like such a good mom. And I'm not like, this is not a mom blaming thing at all. Like she was so good. I just don't think I could be like her. Like, I just don't think that. And, and nor do I think that it's something that I, I want to spend my energy on. Like my mother is someone that 
I've always heard this story from my parents. They actually didn't want kids. And so like, they are very, very different. I think from a lot of Indian people of their generation anyway, because they had a love marriage. They got married in their late twenties. They like found each other. They're in intercaste relationship. Like they weren't supposed to get married. They like broke all the rules basically. Right. And then like, um, even, even like when it came to kids, they actually didn't want kids. So it took them eight years into their marriage, which is very rare for uh, an Indian couple of their generation to not have kids. They like waited until they were settled, moved to the US, like, you know, did all the, the things that they wanted to tick off their list first before they were like, maybe we actually do want children. Right. And so like, I think it was very much like a, both of us are in this place where we really want this versus like, we're just going to do it because society tells us like, this is the next step. So I think like maybe it was, I was raised by parents who had questioned that in their own life, despite it being so difficult back then to really challenge the, the, the notions that you need to like proceed through the ABCs of life. But I think like, it just like would behoove me to also question a lot of things as someone that lives in the modern world where we do have a lot more semblance of choice than our parents ever had. Um, so I think it was more of that. I think it was just this like constant, like questioning of like, don't just like take things that like you need to do this and you need to do that. Like us living our lives is up to us. So if it doesn't appeal to you, don't force yourself. It's kind of like what I would always tell myself. But I did always like feel like, is there something wrong with me that I like don't want these kids, you know, or like when children cry and like when I'm around them, I get like very irritated. I'm just like, I can't stand this. Like, I just like, I don't like the behavior. And I think like it, it seems even harder almost in modern times because it seems like, um, we have all this wealth of opportunity and both parents usually work, but then it's also just like, at the same time, there is a difference in the way kids are being raised today versus like the way we were raised. Um, and like, I'm very happy that women have the opportunity to go to work and like, actually like fulfill their careers. But it also means like, yes, there is less time with the kid. And I, I do frankly, like, sorry if this offends anyone, I do think kids today are less well-behaved than they were in our generation. Like I do remember our parents being very strict with us and being like, don't talk when elders are speaking, don't interrupt, like don't throw a tantrum. But it seems like kids these days like can do whatever they want, right? And I don't know if this is just like the old curmudgeon in me where I'm like, oh, in my day, like it used to be so much better. But like, I think it's because society has fundamentally changed. Like, I think like no one has time to sit around and parent their kids all day, every day. So like in the few hours that they see their kids, they're kind of like trying to make the best of the situation by not yelling at them and not disciplining them. And so I think like none of it just like appeals to me. Like it, it also, it almost seems like we've fallen victim to this like fallacy that we can have it all. Like we can be career women and we can like have kids. And I don't think that exists, but I think we aren't giving women a break by being like, yes, you can't do everything because then like we're constantly, I think women just go around feeling guilty all day long, every day. And I think like, just from what I see people post about, it's like, if you're so focused on your career, you're feeling guilty that you're not giving enough time to your child. If you're very focused on your child, you're worried about falling behind at work. And I just don't want to do that, you know? So I, th I think like the long way, I, I will just like went on a really long rant, but I, I think the, the crux of it all is that I just don't think I've ever believed this fallacy that we can have it all. And I think like, I've always been like, we need to prioritize what we want. And I think like, for me, it's always been like career, living abroad, feeling very untethered, feeling very like free. And I always thought that a child might hold me back. But again, I might change my mind if I, um, if like, this isn't a hundred percent, this is like, I'm like an 80% probably don't want kids. But if I meet the right guy and, and I, we feel like it's the right next step, then I probably will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think 
we can have it all. The operative word there is we can, but maybe we don't want to have it all. You know, we don't have to want it all. And that is okay. And I'm sure that sounds very anti-feminist to some people, but I, I, I do think it's a bit of a trap, right? It's, we can do everything. And so we should. And so this is the way we have to hustle our way through everything. And that in essence is a way of removing choice. And if what we are striving for is more choice for women, we have to make space for women to decide for themselves that maybe they want to be a full-time housewife. Maybe they want to have children and not work. Maybe they want to work and not have children. All of those are allowed and all of those are okay. Yeah. And I think we spend too much time crafting the ideal narrative. And, and this is where I guess it's like a nice way to bring back the, let's talk about the, the South Asian angle of this, because I think it's almost like conflicting narratives is, has been the problem with um, like a major problem, I would say like throughout our lives growing up as like children of the diaspora, which is, I think this, there has always been this like narrative almost introduced by the West, which is that like, you should want it all, right? Which is like, you should want a career. You should want to have like a nice house, like a big house with the kids, with like the perfectly mowed lawn and like, just like a nice rich life, I would I would guess, like basically like selling the middle-class American dream, right? And, and I think that a lot historically of the Indian narrative was almost like this joint family where you live with like all your um, relatives and like the, the role of the wife is to make you know like to to make the home and the role of the the man is to make a living and i know that's all changing like even in india pakistan etc now like it's not like women don't go to work they do that's all changed um but i think what what's been happening is that the narratives have been in conflict with each other for at least the duration of our lives and i will point out that even this narrative that i'm portraying as a western narrative has only it only started in the 60s when women started going to work in the US. So there was a divorce revolution in in the 60s in the US when a lot more women started going to work. And so a lot more women started claiming the freedom from themselves to be free of their partner if they thought that they were in bad marriages because they finally were economically sufficient enough to not have to rely on their partner. So they didn't have to stay in these marriages that they weren't happy in. So this this revolution happened in like the 60s in the US. I think it probably started in like the 2000s in India. Um, and I'm only, I'm only speaking of India and, and the US because those are areas that I know the most about, but I'm sure it's like taking similar shape in Pakistan, Bangladesh, other South Asian countries. Um, so I think what's happening then is that even the the India that our parents grew up in is very different from the India that exists today, right? And so I think like we are constantly battling these narratives. And sometimes I, I find myself constantly trying to like remold my parents' picture of like what they thought, right? Like, so I think they probably had always imagined that I'd go to college somewhere locally and then I'd move back home and we'd like live together forever until I got married and then I moved in with my husband. And he would probably be some like Hindu Punjabi guy um, and like he would be like or he would be like a like a Sindhi guy. And like, yeah, it would be very, very similar to the way that I was raised. And like I'd probably just like live in Edison for the rest of my life. That's probably what they thought. I think that since then, that narrative has changed a lot. I went to college far away. I like moved cities all the time they constantly complain that i never moved back home and they always thought i would move back home after college 
Um, and then I think now they're also letting go on who they think I should get married to. I think they're much more open to that. I think at this point they're like, get married. Um, so yeah, so I think like they've kind of like let go of, of a lot of those, those dreams, but, and they've never actually pressured me to be like, no, you must want children. But like I said, my mom has always been like, but you probably will one day because this happened to me. Right. But so like, I think like they also question a lot of things in their lives. So, so I think there's less pressure on my side, but I want to hear from you about like whether that narrative has ever felt overbearing for you to be like, this is what I'm expected to do. Mm. Yeah. I think my experience has been different than yours in that it's always been an expectation that one day I will have children um, I mean, I, I got married recently and despite repeatedly saying over and over that I did not want children on my parents' dinner table, um, in my dad's speech, he had said, when you become a mother one day, blah, 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 blah. And I couldn't help but laugh because I think in their minds, they are still holding on to the hope that I will change my mind. And so it's been less of a, you have to do this thing and more of a, you, you'll get there eventually. And I prefer that to the pressure, but at the same time, it's a little discouraging because it feels like this finish line that I may never get to. Um, and I might, right. There's always space for me changing my mind, but it, it sort of puts everything else that I may accomplish in my life on a lower rung of the hierarchy than the ultimate goal, which is to have children. So it feels like an unattainable goal in that way. Um, and I've had so many conversations with my parents about, you know, being able to lead a fulfilling life and being able to birth books instead of babies and, you know, all of the things that I could do rather than have children. But I think they're really holding on to the hope that they'll have like little mini me's to play with. And I completely understand that desire, right? I mean, they fundamentally changed when they got their first grandchildren. I mean, I could see it. The way that they interacted with them was so much different than the way that they had ever interacted with us as kids. And it was really beautiful to see actually. Um, and I'm really happy that they got that experience. And I feel less pressure to be the sole, you know, channel for that experience. But there is, you know, it, it comes back to guilt, you know, they might want to have my, my children to play with and they may not get that. So there's definitely still some hope and some expectations and some more conversations that we probably need to have to um, get them to a place where they'd be okay with me not having kids. Yeah, I think um, for my parents right now, like they also sometimes say things like when you become a mom and I'm like, that's not going to happen or it might not happen. And I like always try to remind them in that moment. And then my mom's like, you don't have to remind me right now. You can just you, you can just like let me say these things and just like let me have this moment. And I'm like, OK, whatever. Um, but I think that more recently, like at least my dad has kind of been like, honestly, it seems like it's really hard to raise kids these days. And I just want you to be happy. So like, he's like an extremely practical person. And, and I think like more and more recently, he's like, just do what makes you happy or like what you and your husband decide. But I think so much of it is like, so conditioned on also like who you end up with. Right. And like, um, so I think that let's talk about partners for a second, because I think like 
especially if you end up with a South Asian person, I have found it difficult to connect with guys um, and I'm single and dating, Abni is married. So we'll talk about both perspectives. But um, so for me, it, I, I feel like there is so much South Asian conditioning that when I go on dates with certain guys, um, I find that they are expecting me to want children. And I feel like this has been my experience most commonly with Indian guys. Actually, I should reframe South Asian guys because I've also experienced this from South Asian guys who are not Indian. Um, but yeah, just like South Asian guys overall, who it seems like just want to talk about their nieces and nephews. They are very, it's the opposite, I think, of your experience, right? I think a lot of South Asian guys have said to me, like, my sister have a had a child and it was so beautiful. It made me want children. Or like, my brother had a child and, and then it made me realize I want them. And, and then it, I think like that comment actually winds me up personally, because I'm like, you don't even know what your sister's going through. Like, she, like yes, your niece is fun for you to play with. But what, what about your sister? Like, she was probably in pain. She's probably like sleepless all the time. So it's kind of just like, I think it frustrates mean that they're like using this as a reference point to be like this is why we need to have kids and the amount of guys that have brought up having kids to me on like the first date has been like alarming it's been like eight out of ten times for a south asian guy they'll bring it up on the first date and i get so annoyed about it because i'm like stop seeing me as just a pair of ovaries like i want us to have like a real connection and like i don't want to just like be your baby making vessel you know like i'm not just like trying to meet someone to like pop out a kid with because that's the eventuality like i feel like people are almost like skipping that step and i don't know what it is like and and i've done a lot of thinking about this and i think men are anthropologically wired actually to like think about children so like even in like um other animal species like they're kind of just wired to like plant their seed so to speak and just like within a bunch of women like in because only like humans really are monogamous but like in the animal kingdom like a bunch of like males will want to you know mate with as many females as they can because it's like wired biologically to further your own genetic material so i i, I like get why these men are doing this but I think a lot of it is also like cultural because on by contrast, when I go out with like white guys, like they're not doing that on the first date. Um, and so I, I think it's just like a South Asian expectation where it's like, yes, we should want this big family. And all my girlfriends that have been like pregnant at the earliest ages, I've noticed that they come from families where like they, this was always like put into them at a very young age. Like I do remember one of my friends that I grew up with um she had these life goals where it was like i need to be married by 24 i need to have my first child by 25 you know and and she met those goals and like another friend of mine also recently was saying that she really wanted to have her first child by 25 and then she ended up having it by 26 so it was like close enough you know like she hasn't done bad according to her right so i'm sort of like this is like very wired i think in a lot of other families um they grow up around so many kids from such a young age. So I think that also makes a difference. Like at least you had your nieces, maybe they weren't like at a formative time in your life. Like they, they actually made you go the other way. But imagine if you were five years younger, when Dia had been born, you might've just been like, I love kids. I, I need to have this. Right. Because I think like when you're surrounded by kids from a very young age, I think like we glamorize that aspect of it. Um, and, and I, I think this is the problem with 
with South Asian culture, we don't talk about the pain. We, we, we just like are constantly just like, let's just pretend we're so happy because we're mothers now. Right. So I think like only now am I seeing South Asian influencers start to talk about like postpartum depression or start to talk about like some of the, the problems that they're experiencing physically. And Avni recently had um, a bachelorette party where there were women. This was amazing because it was probably one of the only times in my life where I've been around such a spectrum and diverse group of South Asian women who are all in different phases of life and at different ages. So we had people from like, what, like 45 was the max, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. 45 ish max to like, maybe like 22, 23, the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. So like basically like a wide range, um, a lot can happen in those 20 years. Right. So like, there was like, like pretty broad spectrum of people at this, at this uh, bachelorette party. And the women that had gone through delivery and labor and like had children now were actually talking about their experiences candidly. And I remember thinking for the first time, why does no one ever talk about this? Like, it's always just framed as like, yeah, and then I had the baby and now I'm so happy. That's all I've ever heard anyone talk about with their delivery. Like, it's always been like, oh yeah, it was kind of painful, but like now I'm good and I'm so happy now. And like, that's it, you know? But like these women were talking about it in detail because I think it was kind of a space, safe space, a no judgment zone. And I think I realized for the first time, like no one's actually talking about these things. We're just so wired to be like, this is what you should want. This is beautiful. This is why the men I'm dating are acting like this. And I, I also find that it makes it really difficult then to challenge that narrative for them to be like, look, buddy, like this is our first date. Like, I don't want to be talking about this right now. And I'll try to make it like really obvious where I'll be like, let's, you know, like I'll try to change the topic. And somehow they just come back to the kids because they want me to validate for them that this is what I'm also looking for so that they know that they're going to like be able to check that box off and we're going to have this eventuality. Mm, Yeah, that's interesting. I remember when I was dating after I had decided that I did not want kids, I would actually bring it up maybe on the first or second date because I wanted it to be clear. And I knew that it could be a deal breaker for some men. And I wonder if that's the strategy that they're taking um, in trying to bring it up earlier rather than later. Yeah, I think that is the strategy that they're taking because numerous men have told me that they're trying to just like figure out if we want the same things. And I'm like, but the problem is the polarity again. And I'm like, why is there no space for letting us figure this out? Like, honestly, for me, having that conversation on the first date is so much putting the cart before the horse. Just because I'm not at a 100%, I don't want kids. I'm at a, I'm not dying to have kids. That's my stance. But like, if I'm very in love with this guy, like, I actually think I'll probably want them. Like, you know, like I think right now it's so hard to picture me with kids because it's like, where are they going to go in my little like one bedroom apartment in New York? Like, you know, like I'm not like, I can't like, it's so out of context and maybe I'm too structured in my thinking, but I'm like, step one is like meet the right person. When we establish what the rest of our lives are going to look like together, then I might want them or I might not, but it's like too soon to make that like decision tree decision point right now. And I think like, this is, it's like, I'm too structured to be like, not enough information yet. Don't know. But these guys like want me to commit to this vision before I even know like who the other party is. Right. So I think like, that's why I get very irritated. Cause I'm like, let's not put the car before the horse. Like, let's just take it slow and let's see if we have a real connection. Cause if we don't have a connection, we're not going to bring a child into this world anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess to play devil's advocate, if I had a staunch deal breaker, like I am not going to, if I met a guy from Canada and let's say I really didn't want to move to Canada and that was my deal breaker, I'd be like, well, we can just end the date now because I don't care how strong of a connection we have. I am not uprooting my life. And 
this is, you know, just for example's sake, I, I, I do think there's some merit in being upfront about the things that you can't compromise on. And I think there are some people who feel really passionately about having a family of their own. And so in ways that's fair to, for them to make that clear to you, because I mean, it would also suck to be strung along and then find yeah. out that you're going to change your mind. And then, you know, you've lost all this time. That is fair, but I think it brings me back to my original question, which is that like, is it like this need or like this sense that this could be a deal breaker? Do we think it's stronger in South Asian men and in South Asians overall than in people of other communities? It's hard to say whether it's stronger in South Asian communities compared to other minority groups. I think Mm -hmm. that my gut instinct is that it's definitely stronger in minority groups because we're a collectivist culture. And more often than not, we've grown up in very big families and very large communities. And we're used to that dynamic, right? And you, in a sense, you play out the things that you grew up with and you play out those patterns and sometimes they're subconscious and you don't even realize you're doing it. Um, but also you could just want that, you know, a lot of my cousins, they grew up in our big, crazy Indian family and they thrive on it and they want to recreate that. And they want to have the five kids because they're like, this is fucking awesome. Um, and so I could definitely see how, if you did grow up in that environment as a South Asian male or a South Asian female, you would feel really strongly about that, um, compared to some other white folk. (laughs) I agree with with everything you said. I think a lot of it comes from as like our cultures and minority groups generally. I think the the concept of the nuclear family, but I do remember reading an article about like the concept of the nuclear family was actually first introduced by an American publication, um, probably in like the 50s or the 60s again. And that's when like families started being nuclear and that term of like, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just you and your children is like one family unit. That's a very American thing. So I think, I think that's like something that we, I think like that's when the narrative conflicts, right? Like when our parents like idea of like, what is a family conflicted with our idea of like, what is a family? I think like even small things, like when, when we say my cousin in India, people will just like call that person, their sister, you know, or like their brother, like they don't necessarily use the term. Like there is no term called cousin in Hindi. Um, and I don't know if there is like in Gujarati, but in, in, there's no cousin yeah that is interesting I don't know if we actually have a name a word for cousin either we just say bye and ben yeah exactly so I think like a lot of these things like even language the way the culture shapes the our perception of like what is a family is like very distinctly different from the western lens hence I think we're feeling this like questioning of like which side we're supposed to pick almost like which side of this argument do we land on because we're always balancing these two different narratives um so tell me about uh you and your husband and how you guys think about or like talked about this this question of potentially having children one day throughout your relationship and how that's involved evolved throughout the relationship yeah I think it's been interesting to see how it's shifted so when we were dating we definitely talked about where we stood on kids early on, because I knew that I was pretty iffy at that point in time. Um, We started dating in 2015, so almost seven years ago now. And at that point in time, he was more sure than I was than 
that he wanted kids, but neither one of us were on opposite sides of the spectrum. And so that was enough for both of us because we didn't feel like either way was a deal breaker. And we talked out all of those what if scenarios and decided that, you know, we would just figure it out. And then um, his sister had two kids. And I think that experience brought him slightly closer to where I was on the spectrum. I'd still say he has more of a, of a desire to have children than I do, but he was able again to get that firsthand experience, that really high exposure of what it actually takes. And again, like you, like you mentioned, it's very different comparing your brother having children to your sister having children, because Mm -hmm. in fact, the women bear the thing for nine months, breastfeed them. Whenever you hear a child calling for a parent nine times out of 10, it's for their mother. So he was able to see all of that played out. And, you know, I, I continue to ask him, has anything changed on your end? And I'll say if anything's changed on my end, and we're still kind of hovering in that, like 60, 40, I'm closer to like a 90, 10 on the no scale. Um, And I think it's important to just keep that conversation open and to keep it flowing, right? Because I'm sure our lives are going to change drastically in the next 10 years. And we're going to have a lot of other experiences that may swing us in one direction or the other. Um, But I think it was really important that neither one of us was on the, you know, 100% yes or 100% no train before we decided to enter into this partnership, because I think that would have ended pretty badly. It's good that you guys feel like you can have the conversation. And what is the parental pressure like on both sides with uh, with you two in terms of like, I know you just mentioned about your parents. They like they always say and joke that eventually you'll have them. What about his side? Are they sort of expecting that eventually that you guys will have them too? If they are, they're hiding it well. <laughs> they haven't said anything to me personally, which I'm very grateful for. Um, I don't know whether they've said anything to Amish. Um, he hasn't said so at least, but they, again, they have their two grandbabies that are living in the same state with them. So I'm grateful that they have to, that they get to have that experience. Um, and it takes a lot of the pressure off of us for sure. Um, but at this point in time, granted, we've been married less than a year. It's been like eight months. So maybe it'll come in time, but no pressure yet. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I think like that that's the other thing that I'm seeing happen, which is um, a good change. I think that parents are also realizing that things aren't necessarily going to follow the same path that it followed in their generation. So I think most people aren't just trying to pressure their kids to have children. I I do often think about one of my cousins. um, She has been married for a long time and she doesn't have kids. And when I tried to ask her about it, um, she seemed very sensitive about the subject and it was like through text. So I wanted to be like, no, but I'm on your side. Like I would be totally like able to accept a response that was like, I don't want children or something. Right. Or like, and, and a lot of times like people have fertility problems as well. So that's another thing to call out, which is, um, I'm, I'm so sorry if this, this, uh, episode is painful, if, if you are going through fertility problems and, and, and again, in no way are we, are we trying to dismiss, um, the pains of being a mom or of someone that can't conceive. Um, and, and in no way are we, are we dismissing that, um, or like 
I guess trivializing it is the right word. So yeah, that that seems like it would be very painful if you wanted kids and you couldn't have them because it's such a big life thing. And and I'm sure it's a really fulfilling experience for people that do have kids. So I think for her, I just wanted to like sort of be there for her on either way, like sort of just be like, if you want them, you can have them like I I'm here for you. Like I'm here to talk if you want, or like, if you don't want them, I'm also like very much like aligned with like that perspective. Like, I don't think it's a crazy perspective to have, but she very much shut down. Like she didn't want to talk to me about it. And like, actually she just like never wanted to speak to me again. Like we haven't spoken since. And I've been like trying very hard to communicate to her that like, I really didn't mean to offend her and and it wasn't meant to be an attack, um, especially because these things are like hard to sort of like read through text. So I think like, sometimes I also worry that like, there is maybe like, especially because her parents are still in India and stuff. I don't know if like, there's actually been some more pressure that's been put on her by, by society to be like, no, you should want this thing. And then for whatever reason, she's shutting down because she's tired of explaining to people that she doesn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's fair too. You know, it, I was listening to this podcast about folks, um, deciding not to have children essentially. And sometimes the response that these women are giving to people are, it's not in the cards for us. And that of course can be true if you are having fertility issues, which is really painful and it puts up an immediate boundary, but also you could just say that if you don't want children and you believe that it's not in the cards for you, regardless of whether or not you tried, it's a really easy way to just shut down having to, you know, invite a barrage of questions in because the fact is you don't actually owe anybody an explanation, right? It is your body. It is your choice and explaining yourself. Sure. If the person is genuinely curious and you want to have an honest conversation and, you know, share your experience, that's great. But if you're explaining just in defense of your choice, I think this applies to any life choice that you make. It's just going to drain you of energy and it's not doing anything for you other than in your head, make you come off a certain way to the person that you're speaking to. Yeah, definitely. I think that one common misconception is that people who choose not to have children either don't like them or are incredibly selfish. I don't know if you've experienced any of those stereotypes. Oh, I have. People have told me in the past that not wanting children is incredibly selfish. Um, And I want to get your take on that and then I'll respond with mine. Yeah, I think it's really funny. (laughs) I don't know why I find it so funny. Um, But I think, you know, it it sucks as women that we're forced to address these questions from so early on just because we have uteruses. Um, Because if you think about, you know, asking a man whether he would want children and if he said no, would you ever call him selfish? Probably not. Um, And I think that, you know, I love so many of the children in my life. I have a ton of nieces and nephews outside of just my sister, ton of cousins. And I really enjoy spending time around children. I mean, my father-in-law actually said I'm like a child magnet because kids just run to me because I guess I am a large child in many ways. Um, And it doesn't mean that I don't like children. It just means that I choose not to raise them and I choose to have them in doses of time. Um, and you know, it kind of goes to this like selfish versus self-care conversation that's starting to happen now is just because you are choosing something for yourself that you think will be good for yourself. 
it does not mean you are selfish. It doesn't mean you're incapable of thinking about other people around you. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I well, I agree with everything you said. I am not a child magnet. I mean, in some ways I am, but it's for the opposite reason, which is that um, I think human nature is to want to like lean towards some the one person in the room that's not giving you attention. And usually for most children and most dogs and cats, actually, that person is me. So um, it's like I am very much a dog magnet and a child magnet for the same purpose, which is that I'm usually the person in the room giving them the least amount of attention. And then they like seem like they want to win me over. Actually, it's so funny because just two days ago I was at dinner with um, my cousin and her children and they were in town and my brother-in-law literally made this comment because his son was like screaming from the table and he was like Shamnam, he's really just trying to get your attention like this whole time he's looking at you he's screaming towards you like he's really just trying to get your attention and he really wants to impress you and I was like well I often have this effect on children I don't know why <laughs> but like I think it's just because I'm not the one giving them attention but anyway I think like going back to the selfish comment the one thing that actually really gets me about the selfish comment, and this is this is probably the only thing in the podcast that I'll preface by saying you someone might get offended by this comment, but this is no way intended to be personal. I think this is mostly just me approaching this from a scientific perspective. So please keep that in mind. But having children is inherently selfish. Um, we are wired, as I said, to promote our own genetic material. It's it's something that we are biologically attuned to do. So the desire to want children, like every, every, every step of this process, if you, if you guys really think about it from a scientific perspective is designed to, to make this happen, right? It's like the point it's like life creates life. That's the point. That's why sex is so pleasurable. If it was not pleasurable, there would be way less kids in the world, you know? So it's like, that's the point, right? Which is that every part of this process scientifically is designed to pr help you promote your own genetic material. And I, I think that that's like from a biological perspective, but more from a emotional and spiritual perspective. I think a lot of the reason people want children is because uh, it helps them like from a philosophical point of view, helps them feel like their life has meaning. Like it, it makes, it make it feels probably feels good to have something need you and for you to be that thing's world and, and to be able to pour all your love into this, this being, and for that being to unconditionally love you back because you're the, the only thing this being has. Right. And so I think that, that, that is my argument, which is that I think on the flip side, having children almost is inherently selfish because people may claim that they're doing it. I actually, I don't even know what you would claim you're doing it for, if not yourself. Like if you're not doing it for yourself, are you saying like, we need more kids in the world? No, we don't. Like we were at like 7 billion people. We really don't need more kids in the world. So I think if anything, it's like probably less selfish <laughs> to not have kids at this point. Um, but, but I think it's just one of those things where, like I said, we're wired. So it feels like because it's anti- human nature in some ways or anti-organism nature at all to not want kids. It feels like it should be wrong, which is why I think people assign this term selfish to it. But I don't think that that's, that's actually true. And, and when I think about when you're raising kids as well, the, the, the tendency will be for most parents to um, assign and project their own beliefs, their own visions, their own aspirations to their child. And it's almost like the child should want the same things that the parent should want, or they should like do the things that the parent wants, which I also think is inherently selfish. Like, I, I don't think that that's, that's wrong. I think that that's very difficult to avoid from like a 
how things would actually play out point of view. But I, I, I guess like my only point here is to challenge some people that that claim that having children or not having children is selfish. I, I think there's like two sides to every argument. So my side is that I think that actually having children is more selfish, but I don't dismiss that choice. Like I said, like, I think like, even though it's a selfish choice, like, so is like me drinking this coffee right now in this like, you know, like coffee cup, like I'm just like draining resources from the world. That's fine. You know, like I am being selfish. So it's like, everything is for me and everyone does what's best for themselves. But I just think to look down on someone else and claim that their choice is selfish is um, just not thinking deep enough about about the topic frankly yeah yeah I agree I mean every human being is selfish in some way at some point in their lives right it's not our entire personality but it's a character trait of many people I'd say most people and it doesn't mean that you're a quote-unquote bad person whatever that means but it just means that you're going to do what's right for you and that's okay and that's what this whole conversation is about is making it all okay no matter what you choose Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. It's all about just choosing what's right for you. But I, I, I will say on behalf of all South Asian women, especially, I think we suffer from a lot of guilt for a variety of things, which is why I also wanted to double click on you using that phrase of guilt, because I just think we need to stop feeling guilty all the time. Like, let's just own our choices and feel like we're doing what's best for us, our bodies, our partners, our lives, and even our children, if we choose to have them. And let's just stop being so hard on ourselves um, and carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. Amen to that. Um, so thank you so much for being on Avni. I really appreciate your time. Um, this was a really fun conversation for me. So I'm glad we basically just talked as friends and and got to hit record on this. (laughs) This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, um, as usual, please continue to, um, support the podcast by following us on Instagram. You can follow us at culture and you can follow me personally at Shabnam Galati. Avni, do you want to drop your handle in? Sure. You can follow me at Avni X Patel and it's Avni A-V-A-N-I, which is the correct spelling. And I will fight anybody on that. Well, in that case, my name is spelled S-H-A-B-N-U-M in case you haven't been able to find me for so long because that is incorrectly spelled by my parents. But uh, I mean, it is what it is. So, um, okay, thanks so much, Avni, for being on and thanks everyone for listening. 